We are going to start today's session with a conversation with Julie Lane, Managing Partner at Urban Innovation Fund. Julie, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me. Great to meet you. Let's uh, get you introduced to our audience as well as let's get acquainted a bit of background about yourself as well as Urban Innovation Fund. Sure. So I'm the co-founder and managing partner of the Urban Innovation Fund. We are a venture capital firm that invests in startups shaping the future of cities. We invest across a variety of verticals, what you might consider more traditional smart city sectors like transportation, energy, prop tech. But we also like to think more expansively around the livability and economic vitality of cities. So we end up mm -hmm. investing in areas like uh, the future of work and fintech. All of our investing is done at the very early stage, pre-seed and seed. Um, we're typically leading, co-leading, or at least a very substantive syndicate partner for those early rounds. And we like to emphasize that we're very active, hands-on investors. Um, and we do place a special emphasis on regulatory support since we've seen it be an area of need. Great. And um, what what is your background? Yeah, so I actually come from a background in political polling and consulting. Um, and so I ended up going back to business school at MIT Sloan. And that was where mm -hmm. I was lucky enough to meet my co-founder, Clara. She and I both ended up working for startups that we would now characterize as urban innovation startups. And that really gave us the impetus to um, launch an accelerator program when we first graduated from MIT that was really focused on supporting, mentoring, and providing regulatory guidance to urban tech startups. Um, and after doing that for a number of years, we launched the Urban Innovation Fund in 2016. And so we have been you know, investing together and leading and co-leading these pre-seed and seed rounds for uh, the last seven years. Very good. You know, I always have a big smile on my face when I meet a fellow MIT alum on these events. It's always great to great to uh, see that ecosystem evolve and and grow and and make impact. Julie, how big is your fund? How big is the Urban Innovation Fund? We're currently investing out of a forty-four million dollar fund, um, and we are looking to invest in about ten companies each year. Um, our okay. average our average check size is around a million dollars, but we can go up or down depending on the size of the round and the needs of the entrepreneur. What is the lowest fund size, a check size that you write? The lowest check that we've written in the fund has been about 300K, um, and that was yeah. with a pre-seed round. Um, so we are open to being flexible around the, the round construction. But frankly, what we've seen in today's market is that many entrepreneurs are looking to raise more uh, Pre-seed rounds have now gotten bigger. Seed rounds have certainly gotten bigger, and so we are happy to, you know, flex our check size accordingly to the needs of of the startup and the entrepreneur. So, talk to me about your definition of pre-seed and seed. So, in the if you're doing a pre-seed investment, what do you want to see in the deal to feel comfortable writing a check? Yeah, I think when most people talk about their criteria for investment, you know, the kind of three levers folks really discuss are one team, 
two products and three markets. Um, and everyone kind of has their own, I, I would say, rank order about which one is most important, how they evaluate each of the criteria. I think at the pre-seed, what we're really looking for is one around that team. And I think a lot of times people ask, what does that mean around team? Do you need issue area experts? Do you need, you know, what does that actually look like? And what we're looking for is an entrepreneur who, you know, sees a problem in their community and in their kind of everyday life. And they're almost maniacally <laughs> driven to tackle that problem. Um, and mm -hmm. what we really want to see is execution. So you may not have a fully fledged product yet. You may not have everything figured out, but you're doing things to really attract um, attention. You're doing things to kind of move the product, move the customer feedback forward. And I think that's what we get really impressed and excited about at pre-seed. Um, when we say, what is the definition of a, a pre-seed round? Um, I think that that has changed <laughs> nowadays, but it's typically that first round of funding where you're raising, you know, typically less than 2 million for your initial round is what we tend to look at. Um, and so I would say, you know, in our order of criteria, one is around the team and just showing that ability to execute and bring a concept from, you know, nothing to, to life. Um, two, we do look at the market and the market opportunity, and we want markets where you can have a pathway to having a billion dollar or a $10 billion type exit um, and beyond. And I think a lot of entrepreneurs and investors really want to see that. And then the third thing we look at is product. Um, I will say we, we do product demos for if they're available for all of our companies. At the pre-seed, they tend to be very raw, um, and that's okay. You don't need the perfect, fully-fledged working product, but what we want to see is that there's some uh, folks that are starting to use it. If you can get them to pay for it, great, but that's typically not <laughs> necessary at the pre-seed. Um, and really, we're, we're trying to kind of angle for is, you know, getting an understanding that the team, the market, and the product can all line up that with additional capital, you can really grow to be a massive billion dollar plus, $10 billion plus type business. So even in a pre-seed round, you are looking for customer engagement, even with a very early raw product, but you want to see customer engagement with that product. Yeah, I think that's the right way to put it, which is customer engagement, that they're not necessarily paying for it, but you're at least getting customer feedback. And I think that's when we get excited um, and I can give an example, you know, of, of a pre-seed round we did recently where, you know, basically the startup, um, it was their first round of funding. They wanted to raise 500K in kind of their initial pre-seed. They ended up raising more, um, but they had a working product and they had three kind of pilot customers. They weren't paying at all, um, but they were giving a, a ton of feedback. And so I talked mm -hmm. to those customers and they just raved about the product they raved about the fact that they you know started with a small pilot in one of their locations and they wanted to expand it and it was actually the enthusiasm of those customer references that got us extremely excited about writing that early check um, and so mm -hmm. i think that's a really great validator for um, startups at an early stage where they don't have to be paying they don't have to be 
you know, it, they don't have to be writing these massive six figure contracts, but you want customer engagement and feedback in a way that shows you understand your customer, you understand their pain point, and you're building a solution that will ultimately solve it. Mm -hmm. Okay, great. Um, and what about geography? Where do you invest? So we are based in the San Francisco Bay Area. Um, we do invest across uh, the U.S. and North America more broadly. So we have uh, companies in Canada and Mexico. We're starting to be a little bit more opportunistic about international opportunities as well. Um, so we've recently invested in folks um, in Europe. Um, uh, we've looked at Israel. We've looked at folks in Asia and India. I think that, you know, now with our Zoom world, um, you know, it's becoming easier and easier to have okay. meetings. It's just uh, for an investor like us, where we do have a relatively more concentrated, you know, pre-seed and seed portfolio, we don't want to get too ahead of ourselves. Um, but I think we want to be opportunistic and open-minded for all the best early stage urban innovation startups. Very good. So now let's do some case studies of companies that you have invested in that you're really passionate about. I imagine you're passionate about everything that you're invested in, but just pick a few. And uh, as you talk through them, talk about what they're doing, what is the value proposition, and also talk about at what stage and in what condition did you encounter this company and how, and, and what was it about that situation that made you write your check? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so an example I can give was our first investment out of our current fund um, was in December 2019, which feels like forever ago, pre-COVID. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and uh, essentially, the company is called Electrified, and they are a software solution um, to manage uh, the transition for fleet owners to electric vehicles. And this is an mm -hmm. area that we've been passionate about for a long time. Um, you know, we really deeply believe that electrification of vehicles was coming and it was coming more quickly than people kind of recognized. Um, and we were introduced to this team, uh, Mufi and Sanjay, uh, through an early advisor and angel investor in the company. And she had said, you know, you've got to talk to Electrify. What they're doing is really interesting and compelling. And so I first met the team and I was really blown away by their experience. Um, so they had really strong kind of tech credentials. They had both worked at big companies and then startups like um, uh, Amazon and ChargePoint. So they had both the technical experience as well as the energy specific experience. And you know what got us really excited was uh, candidly the market opportunity, because again, we did think that electrification was going to come more quickly than people realized. We saw, you know, some of the regulatory tailwinds coming from Europe and California. And so we recognized that there was really a lot of momentum in the space. And what impressed us about uh, the Electrify approach was candidly the way that Mufi and Sanjay went about building their product. Um, it was a software only asset light product in a space where a lot of folks were developing very, um, expensive and capital intensive hardware. They were uh, hardware agnostic, so they could work with a variety of uh, operators and OEMs and a variety of kind of hardware developers, which was really exciting for us. And 
to the point around, you know, kind of customer validation, we did a customer reference with one of their initial um, customers. Uh, they were the largest electric school bus fleet in the U.S. at the time and still are. And they just raved about the Electrify early product experience. And he said to us, you know, we've started with a really small fleet of electric vehicles, but we want Electrify expanded to every fleet that we have, hundreds of school buses, you know, maintenance trucks, everything. And I think it was the passion and conviction that this early customer had that got us really excited about leading that investment. And so we ended up leading that seed round in December of 2019. Um, the company, you know, kind of went into COVID. Everything was a question mark about what would happen in the space. Would people actually care about climate tech electrification? Would there be money for it? And then, you know, what we saw during COVID was this massive acceleration in the electrification trend whether it be around consumer preferences, whether it be the federal government announcing that the whole federal fleet would be electrified by 2035. And I think those tailwinds gave a lot of momentum to electrify. Um, they actually ended up being acquired in June of this uh, past year uh, by Ford to build out Ford's uh, commercial electrification efforts. So Electrify now serves mm -hmm. as the backbone for many of those products, including the Ford F-150, the electric version, obviously. Um, and so I think that was a really cool story. It was obviously a very quick turnaround from, you know, our initial investment in 20, late 2019 to their uh, acquisition in mid-2021. But it really showed how quickly a company can grow and scale, especially with the right leadership. And I think it also much, showed... Um... Okay. How much money had gone into that company before the acquisition? Just their seed round. Just at half at three hundred thousand dollars. No, no, the the seed round was three and a half million dollars. Three and a half million dollars, okay. And how much did they get acquired for? Uh, it's not public information, but I think everyone was extremely happy, uh, including the founders, investors, and employees. So it was a really great outcome for everyone. Very good, excellent. We are actually big believers in, you know, small capital efficient funding in companies and then relatively early acquisitions. I think that's a fine way of building companies and, and you know, for entrepreneurs, it's often very expensive to, to build the entire sales channel, whereas, you know, you could go to market through a larger company's channel and you can get an early exit and we are perfectly fine with that strategy and we're seeing more and more of that. Yeah, you know, I think for us, we don't push our companies toward an early exit. I think we want our companies to really focus on growing big, massive, you know, kind of generation defining companies. But I do think that there can be opportunities along the way that are really favorable and, you know, can enhance the outcomes of some of these companies. And certainly Electrify was a great example of that. Um, but one thing that I would say to your point on capital efficiency is I, I really do think that's undervalued in today's narrative and dialogue. Um, the capital efficiency is huge. I mean, just because you can raise a massive seed or series A round doesn't mean that's necessarily in the best interest of the founders, the employees, the investors, ultimately, I, I think, um, 
people need to be circumspect around you know, what they want to raise, what types of outcomes that they can have and what they're shooting for. And the Electrify story is a great example of, you know, you can be extremely capital efficient in a space where, you know, frankly, a lot of folks have raised so much money and you can, you know, generate incredible outcomes for founders and employees and investors. Yeah. And I think the, the narrative in the media is, oh, how much money have you raised? And the, the, the maximum focus and the maximum coverage goes to the people raising the maximum money. And that is a flawed way of valuing companies or, or evaluating companies. I think the, there are a lot of great innovation, great companies that are being built that are with being done in a capital efficient way. And as, as such, they have a lot more options. You know, the exit options are larger and, you know, they're not so dependent on constant infusion of capital to sustain themselves. And I think ultimately these are healthy business building practices. Yeah, I, I agree wholeheartedly. So just to quickly comment on that, Sermana, yeah. uh, I agree wholeheartedly. And we oftentimes call those vanity metrics. Um, and when I say vanity, I mean, look, capital raised and your valuation are extremely important barometers of your business. But they're not the only ones. They're the ones that tend to get the most coverage in the media, and so people flock to that. But you know what really is important and impressive is customers, revenue, growth. I mean, all of these metrics that oftentimes, you know, I think companies hold closer to the the vest. And so, you know, if you can go from bootstrapping your company to a million in revenue, that's an incredible achievement, and it's very very hard to do. But that's not what gets covered in TechCrunch. And so I think people no. don't think about that and value that as much. Uh, whereas, you know, really the, the strongest validator of your business truly is, uh, you know, your customers loving you and being willing to pay and use your service. You know, One Million by One Million is probably the only media platform that covers systematically bootstrap companies. And we have thousands of case studies of successful entrepreneurs that we have covered. And we've always, we've never asked anybody who has pitched us how much money you've raised. We've asked, have you reached $5 million in revenue? For us to do an entrepreneur journey story, we want to see you have reached $5 million in revenue. If you have not raised a penny of capital, no problem. It's very impressive. <laughs> so anyway, let's do another example um, of something else that you've invested in and that you know reflects a different trend perhaps in yeah, the smart absolutely. city world yeah so the example i gave around electrify is really speaks to our values you know i think one around you know the importance of climate tech and electrification uh, energy and sustainability all of these areas that we're very passionate about um i could give an another example in another vertical um we led the seed round in I want to say it was July 2020 uh, in a company called Jeeves. Um, and Jeeves is essentially providing corporate credit to small and medium-sized businesses uh, around the globe. And what they're allowing these uh, small and medium-sized businesses to do is operate across uh, borders in multiple currencies. So you may be a company in Mexico, you may have vendors uh, in Colombia, you may have employees in Canada, they make it really easy to provide credit to all of those areas um, and reconcile the expenses um, and kind of cash management 
across uh, all of those areas. So if you're you know, a startup listening to this and you operate internationally, I would encourage you to check them out. Uh, we invested in Jeeves in uh, mid-2020. And at the time, they were really a, a great example of a company where they had very early traction. Um, the two founders had spent time kind of building the infrastructure uh, for global banking. It's something that's very challenging to do, especially in multiple uh, countries. And then they started um, by offering their services to kind of a handful of customers. And we did the customer references and we were blown away by their early kind of enthusiasm for the product. One of the companies, um, they had been live at that point for a month. They said, you know, we've used Jeeves for this last month and they've made our lives so much easier. We've moved 80% of our spending through the Jeeves platform. And that was in one month. And we were just really captivated by that story and narrative. And you know, I, I think what we saw in that early momentum was these guys can execute, they can really grow and scale, and you know, they have done that so far. Um, so you know, we invested in that seed um, about a year and a half ago. They're, um, they most recently announced that they raised a Series B led by CRV and Andreessen. Um, and they've continued to kind of grow and scale. They're now available in 24 countries across the globe. They serve a variety of businesses, whether it be growing startups or other uh, small and medium-sized businesses. And we're just really excited about them. Um, I think I mentioned part of our thesis is really looking at the economic vitality of cities and solutions that can really help, um, I think, vitalize that. And I, I think that's, uh, that's exactly what Jeeves is doing. So that sounds like that's a regular fintech investment, not a smart city or urban innovation investment, right? Yeah, it's a fintech investment, but as I mentioned, you know, we don't do j just smart cities. We also like to look at the livability and econ economic vitality of cities. And so certainly one of the things that we think about in economic vitality is supporting of uh, the support of small and medium-sized businesses. and. They have done that okay. in a really robust way, um, which we're very excited about. Very good. All right. So um, is there anything else that you want to share about the, about the work that you're doing that entrepreneurs should know in considering to work with you? Yeah, I think uh, I would just say we'd love to hear more about your business. Um, you know, you can feel free to reach out to me, Julie, at urbaninnovationfund.com. Um, and we'd love to learn more. So I uh, would love to hear all about your businesses. Thank you, Julie. Thanks for participating. Thank you. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.